generations following by faith. This is what this series is about. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11. And as we look at this today and launch off, we'll be moving slowly through the, the book of Hebrews 11, this chapter. It's a chapter that is so rich that calls us into the stories of God to be reminded of those that went before us, those that we can learn what their faith did and how they followed, and, and it'll call us to be those kind of people. You know, when you think about it, there is no doubt that I believe that in heaven they're watching, uh, that there's actually this posture of, God, what are you doing on earth? What is happening? And I think in many ways, they probably have a question for those of us that are American Christians in the American church. And that question is, are you actually following Jesus? Because if you understand what it means to follow Jesus, it's more than just a belief. It's a desire to, to be close and to obey that's what the heroes of the faith, many would call Hebrews 11 the hall of fame of faith. And when you think of the early church, that's who they were. They were a people that understood that the, resurrect, the cross and the resurrection has changed everything. And because it's changed everything, I'll allow Jesus to change my everything. That I'll allow him to lead me and guide me and direct me. And so the reality is faith follows. Can you say that with me? Faith follows. It follows Jesus. And in the, if we think about it, we live in a day and age where many of us are following something, and, and if we're not intentional about it, we don't even realize some of the things that we're following. There, there's things that, that maybe we follow online, we follow a, a particular personality, a podcast, something on social media, a news outlet, and we follow these things and we allow them to form our beliefs and, and to have input and sway in our minds and in our hearts in ways that we need to deal with because God needs to take his rightful place. He needs to be in that space that says that, that, and that we echo the, the, those that went before us, that he is Lord, he is Savior, he is King, he is the one worthy of our worship and that we are following. So I don't know who you're following today. My hope is that all of us move to a posture of, yeah, we pay attention to what's going on in the world, but ultimately we're following Jesus. Amen. Generations following by faith. So in Hebrews 11, verse one, it says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you're taking notes, and we provide these at pathwayvb.com slash FYI, just because there's sometimes a lot of notes, it's there for you. Faith follows, and when we look at this, it's defining the object of my faith that defines how I live. That, that actually it's saying that there's this faith that gives us hope, that gives us assurance, that there's a conviction that comes with it, and that it's actually by defining the object of my faith that I begin to actually live with and move by faith. You know, you may have noticed that I have a table up here, and it's interesting how the table is such a place of fellowship and intimacy, a place that, you know, when we gather to break bread together, whether it's a lunch or a dinner or a coffee or a breakfast, there's something in that space that God does relationally with those that are at the table. 
And part of this series is being reminded that that generations are invited to the table. Some have gone before us, some are present, some need to be invited in. And in that space, God begins to help us to understand who he is and who we are from one another. Our family tries to have dinner together as often as we can. It's usually uh, probably four or five times a week. Uh, We have four children, and, you know, sometimes one of them's working, sometimes one of them has a sport, uh, but usually there's this space, and the other night there was this space where there was a reminder of, of something from the past. Uh, one of my children uh, had written a letter uh, to the Tooth Fairy about nine years ago, and uh, Cindy had found it digging through some files. And uh, you know, I think we have a picture of it possibly, and I wanna just read it to you. I have permission from him. If you know my family, you know it's from my son. <laughs> so he wrote this a few years back, he said, Uh, And he put it under his pillow, right? He says, I'm so sorry because I cannot find my tooth, but may you please still give me whatever you were going to give me. (laughs) Now, this, this kid is so persistent that he drew a line under that and a few days later made another request on the same letter. He actually says, P.S., how come you could not get to my or get to my tooth I have been putting my tooth under my pillow for seven days and nothing happened (laughs) drew another line right a couple more days later p.s. can you write back thank you (laughs) Cindy remembers this moment vividly because it was the moment where she as the tooth fairy realized I had failed in my job, and I'm also done with this thing. (laughs) Like, this is over. You see, he had a faith in an object that wasn't real, and it had to come to a realization that that wasn't gonna lead or to give him what he was hoping for. I wonder how many of us need to be reminded at the table what's available through Jesus, who he is, that when our faith is in him, when he's the object of our faith, he is good, he is perfect, he is faithful, he will never let us down, he will never forsake us, he is ever loving and ever ever kind, he's always available. I mean, that is who the object of our faith is, amen? And we want to be a church that is multi-generational and we want to live by faith. We want to live by faith, not in things that the world is feeding us, not in things that maybe we've brought to the table, but in what God says about who he is and the faith we have in him. We want to be that kind of church, amen? We also want to be a multi-generational church that doesn't just live by faith, but lives with hope. A hope that says, even though it feels like the world around us is falling apart, we know that the final word comes from our God. That in fact, in a broken and fallen world, Jesus is our hope. We know that he is the hope for today. He's the hope for tomorrow. When we place our faith in him, we know that he will return one day and make it all right. He will restore, he will renew. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. That is our ultimate hope. And he's our hope in the middle of the things we face today. So we place our object in that faith. And then we say, do we have hope? And God, help my hope to be centered on not what the world can do for me, but what you're doing for me. Eugene Peterson, an author and pastor, says this, hoping is not dreaming. 
It is not spinning an illusion or fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. Can I get an amen? Amen. It is an imagination put in the harness of faith. It is a willingness to let God do it his way. Uh Uh-oh. Faith is also a letting go to let him. He says it's a willingness to let God do it his way and in his time. It is the opposite of making plans that we demand that God put into effect, telling him both how and when to do it. That is not hoping in God, but bullying God. Whew, when I saw that idea, it hit home, right? I mean, how many of us have faith and then bully God for the hope of the plans and the future that we want? Verse saying, God, no, what is your plan? What is your purpose? My hope is in you. What do you want for my life? I'm not gonna try to bully my way into you blessing my mess. I'm gonna bring my mess to you and say, God, what do you need? What do you want? What's your will? What are your plans? And that's when things really begin to change. So we wanna be a multi-generational church that lives by faith, that lives by hope, that also lives with conviction. When you think of that word conviction, there's a move beyond belief to conviction. And author Josh McDowell years ago wrote a book articulating the, the reality that we need to not just have a belief in God, but a conviction that will live for God and stand up for God and his truth in our world. And you and I know that we live in a world that is very confused right now. There are gender identity issues There are sexual orientation issues. There are issues with addiction and brokenness and self-serving and idolatry and all of these things that are showing up in our world and yet we have a God who says, your feelings do not define your faith. Your feelings do not define truth. You may feel that you're this, but let me tell you who you really are. You may think it's this, but let me tell you the truth. And this is where we have to get us to a place where our convictions based on the truth and word of God are guiding and directing and that's what we're following. We may not like what the truth says. We may not like how it defines things, but this is from our creator. This is from our God. This is the one who is the one who says no, There's a way to help people understand this. You're not gonna show up and be a bully. You're gonna show up with my grace and mercy and love and truth and trust that my Holy Spirit is the one who changes people. My Holy Spirit is the one that just as he convicts you will convict them of what is right and what is wrong, but we cannot be ashamed of what is right. We have to be a people that live with conviction because our world around us is falling apart. And we have to rise up and say, not on our watch. Because we know the way, we know the truth, we know the life, John 14, six. We know who he is. It's an interesting phenomenon right now that if it works for you, it must be right. Have you heard this idea? That if it works for you, if it feels right, it must be right. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You see, God defines what is right, and he allows us to understand, and and feelings will follow faith when we begin to put him in his rightful place. 
See, we should be a people that are saying if it's, if it's right and God's right, it will ultimately work out. Let me read to you Psalm 36, nine. This verse says this, for with you, so with God, is the fountain of life. In your light, we do see light. Let me read that, there it is. For you, with you, is the fountain of life. In your light, do we see light. So what does that mean in in a world that feels like a cesspool, that feels like it's going downhill, that feels very dark, what do we need to do? Define our object of our faith, look at who we have hope in, and allow our convictions of who he is and what is right and what the light says about us and those around us be where we place our faith, amen? And operate out of that conviction. This is what generations ahead of us have done and did and what they're commended for. Let me read to you verse two. We're going verse by verse, if you didn't notice. Hebrews 11, two says, for by it, the people of old receive their commendation. They received their affirmation, commendation, and reward because they lived by faith. Not all of them saw what they hoped for. Not all of them saw exactly as you read on in Hebrews 11 what they thought they were gonna see. Some planted seeds, some watered, some got the harvest, some didn't. But they all set in motion and were commended because they were living by faith. They were living with a hope. They were living with a conviction in their era. If you're taking notes, faith follows. And that means generations following by faith is actually the kingdom win. You see, in God's kingdom, the win isn't you winning. It's the kingdom and God and his church and his people winning. Some of us are so discouraged because our vision of life, our vision of what it means to be a Christ follower is too narrow, too selfish, and too self-absorbed. That actually God's saying, can you see a bigger picture that's bigger than you? It isn't just about you winning in your bank account, in your home, in your neighborhood, and with whatever your retirement goals or post-retirement goals are. It's about kingdom wins. You see, they weren't commended because they got it all right. They weren't commended because they did it all perfectly. They were commended because they lived by faith, they died by faith, and they saw the bigger picture that there was a kingdom advancing. And in every generation, God is looking for a people that will be open to him, that will say, we are hungry for you and whatever you have. It will let you define it, will let you drive it, will let you lead it, and we will obey. So let me just encourage you a few things with this. When we think about it for us and what does it mean, right, as a multi-generational church, when we come to the table, when we come to this space and we say, God, here we are, we're, we're showing up together and we're not alone at this table of faith. What does that look like that some went ahead of us? It means we need to honor those that went before us yesterday. That we need to realize is, I I love the idea that we're standing under the shade of a tree that somebody else planted. Like church, we, we have to honor those that went ahead of us. We have to celebrate how God used them. You and I today, if you're on site or even online, you are benefiting from resources that generations prior to us sacrificed and followed and had faith and believed and sowed seed and here we are by God's grace. So we honor, 
a church that was birthed around 1940 that had people that were reaching out to kids here in Vero Beach that began with a small Bible study at the table that, that actually met in the Vero Beach Women's Club that then moved to a building a few years later on 14th Avenue. Hello, Taco Dive, you owe me a little shout out. I'll, I'll take some free tacos, but that's, that's the spot. That was the first building right in that area that the church moved into. And then from there to 27th Avenue, God moved and it grew and it grew and then it came out here around 2000. People literally walked by faith down 12th Avenue from one building to the other. I mean, let's honor them for a minute because of their faith, can we? Can we just honor who has gone ahead of us? Because it's their sacrifices that then inspire and encourage us to do the same in our era and in our moment. It's being at the table that we're also reminded not just to honor those that went before us, but to also realize we need to learn from those that go before us today. That wisdom isn't always marked by gray hair, sometimes it is. Whoop. <laughs> Y'all, I'm about 60% gray, it's the product covering it up, so I can say these things, all right? So, so it isn't always just age, that means you've gone before. It's those that have been following Jesus faithfully, which sometimes does equate to those that are much further in age. But it also can be those that have been following Jesus and at the table we learn from those. It's called mentoring and discipleship and we need one another. It's what they're being commended for is at the table we can learn from those that have gone ahead of us. We've got an incredible summer study that we'll be uh, launching into. I'll tell you more about it later. It starts on Wednesday. I would encourage you to realize that when we all come to the table, we learn from one another. It's not just the one with the microphone, it's those that are in the room that have gone ahead and can speak life and sharpen and spur on to love and good deeds, amen? The third thing that, that we need to do and realize as a multi-generational church is we need to invest in those that will follow us tomorrow. That, that we have to be so committed to the next generation a generation that is confused, that is being filled with lies, that is being, and, and many of you have already given up on the generation, and I would go, why, how do you not realize your role? Do you not realize that here at Pathway, we are averaging 350 youth and children every week that are in ministry here, 350. My guess is that's more than what might be in this room right now. And what does that mean for us? That means that we have to be a people that says we will invest in the next generation. If they don't know biblical truth, that's on us. If they don't know what the truth of God is and have that conviction, that's on us. We have biblical illiteracy right now. We have parents that have put kids in the center of the home instead of Jesus. We have so many things that yes are wrong but it isn't gonna be made right unless God's people step up and take their place and say we will follow by faith and we will teach the next generation how to follow by faith. Amen. If you still have breath in your lungs, you have purpose. 
If you still have breath in your lungs, God has a way that he wants to meet you and a way that he wants to use you. So this summer, you know, one of those ways may be you need to give someone else a break that during the school year is pouring into our kids. We've shared this over the last 30 days or so, but if you go to pathwayvb.com slash summer serve, some of you, if you could do once a month, you could even do twice this summer. Or maybe you say, you know what, I'll be there every Sunday at nine o'clock, forget Pastor Brian, I'll watch that on YouTube. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because we need to invest in the next generation, amen? So pray about it. Follow what God is leading. Parents, you have to take your place. We are blessed that we live in a state that is positioning parents to make the choices that they want to make for their kids, amen? I won't get into anything else with that other than that is what the church should be doing is finding our voice and making sure that we're pouring into our kids, whether they're our pathway kids or our kids at home, that we have to take our place and invest, not just complain, but pray, serve, and invest, amen? So what does Deuteronomy 10, 11 says? After God's people had failed, after they had broken the 10 commandments, literally the tablets had been shattered, God shows up. He shows up in that broken state and he says, hey, I'm not done with you. I've got more for you. Get back in the game. Can we hear this word today? A God saying, follow me by faith. Get in the game. Get up. Rise up. I want to use you. I want to use you in new ways. So what does it say? Deuteronomy 10, 11. And the Lord said to me, arise. Say arise. Arise. Go on your journey at the head of the people so that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. There is a get up and arise, a get up and get in the game moment in every generation. And I believe that God has one of those right now, not just for Pathway, but I think across the nation that he is waking up his church to say yes to his plans, to say yes to taking his his role in our world sitting in a seat, watching from a couch or a car, we love you, is not enough. We have to step up. We've got to get in the game. Verse three, last verse out of Hebrews 11 for today. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. You see, God creates like no other can create because he created the substances and conditions for creation. He is the creator. You and I need some resources. If we're creative, we may go to Michael's or Joanne or Hobby Lobby and we have to get supplies to be creative, not our God. Our God has all that he needs. And when he speaks, he creates. When he speaks, things change. You're taking notes, faith follows. By faith, we follow every word of God. That they actually are pointing in this passage as it goes on, they followed by faith. They followed by the word of God. They followed by the command of God. They followed what God said to them and showed them. And the writer here is using verse three and the creation narrative to remind them how powerful the voice of God is. 
Genesis 3 in the, says, let there be light. God says it, it happens. Can you imagine that moment? Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's fast. That's freaky fast. <laughs> God speaks it and it travels. And then things begin to change and happen because of all creation is responding to God. Light happens, creation happens. People are made male and female. Can I get an amen? amen. Everything is laid in motion. The laws of the universe at the word of God. And it's that word as, as we think of the creation story that, that it followed God. It was obedient to God's command that I believe the writer is getting at, will we be obedient to the word and the command of God? John Calvin said this, simple quote, true knowledge of God is born out of obedience. John Calvin is known for lifting up the sovereignty of God. And by God's grace, we support that, amen? That he is sovereign and in control. What I didn't know until I read this quote that it is he understood that it isn't just that God orders things and commands, but that he looks for a people that are obedient to what God has said. You see, you can have a lot of knowledge about God. You can have a lot of information about God. But if you aren't obeying God, I question whether you really know him and are following him. Because at the end of the day, scripture teaches us that even the enemy knows about God. Amen. That even the fallen angels know about God. It isn't just the knowledge of God, it's the obedience to God. And it's in the act of obeying that we actually learn more about God. We're two and a half years into our physical journey here as a family and Vero, and it's been a faith follows, a faith follows God and is obedient. We've had so many moments that didn't make sense, so many moments that were very difficult, so many moments that, I, I mean, y'all, like, if you know my health journey, uh, in 2021, like, we got COVID multiple times. There's no COVID in Florida, but we got it a couple times, okay? <laughs> Y'all, you can lighten up. That, that was, like, he said COVID. Oh, my goodness. Land of the free, I get it. I love it. We got it a couple times. I separated my shoulder. I had two knee surgeries. One was a full replacement. I'm a young man. What's up with that? And through it all, financial challenges, other challenges, and at the end of the day, I want you to know that God doesn't promise it's all gonna be easy. But when we obey him, he meets us in it is what this quote is getting at. True knowledge of God is watching God show up when it's hard, watching God show up when it's difficult, watching God show up when we've obeyed and it doesn't make sense, but he says, I want you to know me more. So let me show you in that valley how good I really am. That's where I stand today is telling you God is that good. So this idea of obeying him and what does it look like for us, you know, again, we follow every word of God. 
And it's interesting how many messages and things get in the way of that today. I want to actually take you to a passage to close in the New Testament. We're going to go to Matthew 17. And it's actually in Matthew 17 that that we see the word of God and what God says in a moment where his presence is there, where he's present, literally, they're seeing something they never thought they would see. And it's in that moment that God has a specific word that they need to hear and to understand. And, and I would submit to you that that's, that's the goal, is that you and I learn how to hear from God, that we learn how through his word and through the testimony of other believers at the table around us to hear from God. And it's interesting how distracted we can get. Did you know that the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,600 times per day or more right now? (laughs) That's scary, isn't it? Like, I read that and I'm like, you mean I'm touching this thing multiple times per minute on average throughout the day? And then think about how much that adds up because we also sleep, most of us. And when we sleep, we're not, hopefully, like if you're sleeping holding your phone, we got other issues. All right, I'm gonna pray over you, we'll anoint you with oil. We might baptize you even, I don't know. But 2,600 times that this thing distracts us from hearing what I believe God wants us to potentially hear. Now, can this be used for good? Can this be used by God? Absolutely. But I'm pretty sure that 2,600 times a day, he doesn't need us touching it to hear from him. So what does Matthew 17 say? There's this moment where they've climbed a mountain. God's presence has descended. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother. He led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. So here's what you have. You have a moment where Jesus is there. Jesus had said, I'm the fulfillment of the law and prophets. Moses is symbolizing the law, Elijah, the prophets. It's all there. Symbolically, Jesus is the fulfillment, but they're still missing it. And they're still not understanding what God is up to. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking. I love this. It's just like God just like cuts him off. It's like, you know what, Peter? You don't get it again. Just, Just stop, right? It's a holy interruption. So he says, Uh, He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. You see, this moment on the mount, you can imagine why Peter wanted to stay there. You can imagine why he wanted to pitch a tent. 
He wanted to be in God's presence. But what he didn't understand is to leave that mountain would lead to the Holy Spirit being poured out and given to each believer. That it wasn't about a pr- the presence in that moment staying there, it was about the mo- movement that was about to unfold. That in fact, Jesus was going to die, resurrect, and pour out his spirit, that you and I would be witnesses. You and I would go in power, Acts 1.8 says, to the world around us. And so it's in hearing God's word that he says, this is my son, hear him. It's that word hearing and listening that we need to lean into for a second to understand. If you're taking notes, the key to our future is entering in to God's presence to be with him, to listen, and to follow by faith, which means to obey. Your future is secure in God's hands. Your future is planned for you by God. Can we set aside our agenda to be with God and say, God, what do you have? And listen to him and to his plan and to his word and to his will. And then obey. The word obedience in the Latin, it actually means to listen with great attentiveness to listen with great attentiveness. What would that look like for you and I to be a church and a people that are saying, God, we just wanna enter into your presence, not so that we can just stay there and soak it all up. Yes, we want that, but as we soak it up, we want to hear you and we wanna follow you by faith and obey you and whatever you have for us. So let me ask you a few questions as we think about applying this today. First is, will you make this your best summer ever? Not because you've had your glow up, not because you have the perfect beach body. By the way, I saw somebody, uh, a picture this week that said, uh, perfect beach body, find the beach, take your body. I kind of like that, I kind of like that. But are you ready to make this your first, your, your best summer ever because you are experiencing God, that you understand. We have a summer study, I wanna put it up there for you and that you can see it, that this study is something that has played a vital role in the faith of your pastor, in the faith of your pastor's wife, in the faith of many. And that we believe that when we come to the table on Wednesday nights, whether you can make every Wednesday night or not, that we come and that we dig in, that God is gonna do something special because we'll have all generations there and his presence, and we'll learn how to hear his word. We'll learn how to obey him and follow him. So I wanna encourage you, sign up for that summer study today and be a part of that. The second question is who is the object of your faith based on how you're living? Like look at how you're living and be honest. What does it show? Does it show that something else is the goal, something else is the win, something else is the object, or does it show that it's him? And then third, you follow Jesus by faith. So simple, but so profound, isn't it? To say, not my will, but yours. Not my plans, but yours. And to begin to listen with attentiveness, 
to say, God, what are you asking? What do you want? Breakthrough and blessing comes when we sit with him and hear from him and allow him to lead. So this morning, we're gonna have an opportunity to come to the table, the table of faith. Up here, as you've seen multiple times, we've got communion elements and the cross. When Jesus prepared his disciples for the cross, his followers, he told them to, that we, you would break bread in remembrance of me. That we would be reminded that he took the cross, his body, and that as we receive the bread, that we're actually receiving a part of what Jesus has for us, that he's our sustenance, he's the one we depend on, he's the bread of life. Not our sufficiency, not our strength, but his, amen? And then the blood, symbolized by the juice, is something that reminds us that when Jesus died, he bled, and his blood was holy and sanctified, set apart for us to be our atonement to cover over all of our sins, all of the things maybe that have kept us from following by faith. And so the beauty of communion, it actually means union with. Communion means union with. So when we receive communion, we're remembering what Jesus has done. We're examining ourselves. We're repenting of anything, asking for forgiveness, as a believer and saying, Jesus, wash over me. I wanna be unioned with you. I wanna be close to you. I wanna hear from you. I wanna obey you. I wanna follow you. So as we receive this today, I'm gonna to pray over the moment. And then you're gonna be invited. If you're at home, you can grab uh, you know, a piece of bread or a cracker, some juice while you wait. Here in this room, uh, in the middle sections, you're gonna come to the middle and then go like this and around. You'll pick up your elements, attendants that are serving this, you can come forward now. If you're on the wings, you're gonna come up to the far tables on the edges and then go back down the sidewalls to your table, or back to the middle. Go to the walls, come up, and then go back down the middle. So as we get our elements, you can prepare your heart you can examine yourself. You could say, God, I, I wanna follow by faith. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's the starting point. Communion's for believers in Jesus Christ. So if you don't know him, come see one of us. We'll have our prayer partners come up to the benches on either side. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray over you. Once everybody's back in place, I'll take us through receiving communion together. And then we'll have a time of praise and response, amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the table of faith. We thank you for those that went ahead of us, those that had faith and hope and conviction because of your death and resurrection. Father, they lived courageously and were even in most cases willing to die for their faith. Father, we want to be a people that as we look to you, that we would see Jesus only right now. So Jesus, I pray that you would remove all the distractions, all the weights, all the worries, all the things standing in the way, that we could just see you and hear from you in this moment of communion, that our life could be unioned with you, connected to you. 
Forgive us of our sins. Wash over us. Fill us with you, the bread of life. May your spirit lead us forward. We give this time of communion to you. In Jesus' name, amen.